0: Good morning. Good to see everyone here today. We're able to gather together like early Christians did that we read about in the Bible on the first day of the week. Able to sing praise to God and talk with Him in prayer and gather around the Lord's table like we did this morning. It's good to be here. You know, life is full of choices. The choice of doing right choice of doing wrong. The choice to give or to take. The choice to love or to hate. Life is full of choices. So, what would you do if or what would you be willing to do if someone offered you $10 $10 million. $10 million. I mean, that's, that's life-changing, isn't it? That's a huge sum of money. So two-thirds of Americans polled. They agreed to do at least one of the following, some several. <clears throat> 25% said for $10 million, they would they would abandon their entire family. They just leave the family for $10 million. 25% said they would abandon their church. 23% said they would become prostitutes for a week or even longer for $10 million. 16% said they would give up the American citizenship. 16% also said they would be willing to leave their spouse for 10000000 $10 million. 10% said they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free if they were offered 10 million 7% said they would even kill a stranger 3% said they would put their child up for adoption for 10 million Those are some pretty hard things to think about You know, when it comes to money, sometimes there just isn't a lot of honesty, is there? So this reminds me of the idea of integrity. That's what we're going to talk about for just a few moments. We're going to simply walk through a chapter in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at a story, and then at the conclusion of that story, then I'll draw a couple of thoughts from it, and then the lesson will be yours. But first, I'll share that back in 2002, I was working for an internet company. I'd left education for a few years, and I was working with, uh, with Robert McFadden for a company called IP Communications. Well, my boss at the time was a gentleman named Mr. Cochran, And Mr. Cochrane, when he was in the army, he loved card tricks, so I said, I got a card trick, (laughs) and he said, okay, let's see your card trick, and I showed him this card trick, and and I asked a series of questions, and whenever you answer the questions, you can answer it truthfully, or you can lie if you want to, and through these questions and through your answers, I end up revealing what your card was that you had selected. Oh, I love that card trick. I, I still do it today. But, you know, there's just not a lot of honesty in that card trick. And I think that that, he found the humor in that. He loved it. And then, then he took me to his boss, and I showed it to his boss. And then he took me to the board of directors, and there I was entertaining the board of directors. And then all of a sudden I was in front of the president and the owner of the company doing this little silly card trick. Well, again, that card trick, there had no honesty involved. There was no integrity involved. It was kind of a play on that. But that is the subject that we're going to talk about for a few moments this morning, integrity. In fact, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 6, and that's the theme of this story. Daniel chapter 6, it contains one of the most popular stories that we find in the Bible. In fact, I would contend that Daniel in the lion's den ranks up there probably in the top five of Bible stories when it comes to popularity, people knowing it. Can you imagine if there was a law passed today that forbid us from coming to church, from public worship, or, or even if it forbid us from praying? We couldn't pray any, more, any longer. What would you do? Would you find a compromise? Or would you just stop praying? Well, before we jump into this story, let's remind ourselves of this setting. You might remember that Judah and Jerusalem and all that, that was captured. And they took away some of the Jewish people, especially some of the real smart people and the princes and stuff like that. And Daniel was one of them that they, exiled, that they pulled away. And so Daniel, he's still in Babylon at this time, but the government has changed, the king has changed, and there's a new government in place. Chapter 5, we see uh, Belshazzar had passed away, and now we have the ascension of Darius the Mede in chapter 6. Now remember, at this time, Daniel's getting pretty old. When I say pretty old, he's getting 80, 81. So he's... He's getting up there, right? Some will even say that he's in his mid-80s. But he still has his health. He still has his mental abilities. They haven't diminished at all. So if you'll follow along with me in Daniel chapter 6, and we'll start with verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, or governors, to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them... Three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these governors should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. So, there were several Persian rulers who they were called Darius in this sense. And the Darius that we find here in chapter 6 refers to Cyrus the Great. You can go through history and find this, gentlemen. Cyrus the Great, the Persian ruler, who eventually, he ends up allowing the Jews to return back to Jerusalem some 70 years after they were taken into captivity. So that comes on down in the story several chapters later, but... Verse 3. Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and governors because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This verse should sound pretty familiar. If you've read the book of Daniel, it should. Whenever Daniel was given a job to do, he did it better than anyone else. And that's why Darius, or or Cyrus, the great, had planned to set him over the whole kingdom. But when the other two high uh, uh, administrators, when they heard about this, they got upset. Now, the other two are are crooked, and they got upset, and I don't know exactly what they thought was going to happen. Maybe they were skimming from the top, and they thought maybe they weren't going to be able to line their pockets any longer. I don't know what it was, but they got upset that Daniel was going to be placed over them. So let's talk about the, the chain of command for just a moment. This is just kind of a simple visual that I created. You have Cyrus the Great on top, and then you you have the three high officials, which Daniel is one of them. And then underneath them is those 120 governors. So you have these different areas that that they were going to be ruling over. And so what we find here is that in verse 3, Daniel became distinguished above the others, and they were act, he was actually going to put him over the other two high officials. That's what got him upset. Sounds pretty political, doesn't it? In fact, pl- politicians trying to have government officials arrested on false charges. <laughs> where we've heard that before. Well, verse 4, Then the high officials... And the governors, they sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So those two high officials, they decide there's going to scheme against Daniel. They're going to find something and bring some charges against him. So they went through his life. They went through everything they could. They couldn't find anything the guy was doing wrong. In fact, he's a pretty good guy. So they were at a loss. What are we going to do to bring charges against him? Verse 5. Then these men said, Hmm, Sorry. Verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So he's a pretty good guy, so we're going to have to go to his religion, find out something. Verse 6, Then these high officials and governors came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials in the kingdom, the prefects and the governors, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance. And enforce an injunction that whosoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. I don't know about you. But back when, when I was still teaching and in education, we used to have auctions. I know Philip's done this a lot, to have someone bid and pay money and their kid could become principal for the day. So you've seen auctions like that, and that's kind of what it seems like to me, except it's not principal for the day. It's not even governor for the day, but it's God for a month. So that's what they're asking this king to do is to set up a decree that you will be God for a month. No one can pray to any other God or any other person except to you, O king. And it worked. They appealed to his ego. Verse 9. So King Darius put the, de- the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So you've heard that before about Daniel praying three times a day. We have songs that we sing about, about him doing that. And Daniel knew that he had, he had give, if he gives up this practice of praying... He'd be joining the rest of the kingdom in their idolatry, and he had too much integrity to do that. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and pleas before his God. So they caught him praying. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction? That anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you've signed. But he makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. It says he was distressed. So he works the rest of the day till the sun goes down, how can I get out of this? How can I change this so Daniel's not going to be thrown in the lion's den? He's got to figure it out. Verse 5. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that, this, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. They said, Do what you want to do, but you signed it. It can't be changed, king. Verse 16, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. This shows to you and I that Darius this God of the month title that he's now wearing, it wasn't the it wasn't worth anything. It wasn't worth the paper it's printed on. Because it what, what good is it to be a God if you can't even change things to do what you want? And he couldn't change it. Verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. He was worried sick, wasn't he? He was worried all night long. Couldn't get, a, couldn't go to sleep at all. Didn't sleep a wink. He's worried about his friend Daniel. He knew that he had just put an innocent man in the lion's den. Verse nineteen. Then at break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. It said he went in haste. That means he hurried. Kings don't get in a hurry for anything. They don't get un, un they don't get upset, they don't get in a hurry. They don't get unruffled, but not this king. He was genuinely concerned for Daniel. Which is why in verse 20 it says as he came near And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. You know, the old king, he knew that he had been or stepped into a trap. He knew that he had been uh, manipulated. So verse 24, the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, were, they were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he's a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So in this story, we see the virtue of integrity in Daniel's life. So before we go any further in this study, let's stop for a moment and agree on a definition. What exactly is integrity? Webster defines it as living a life with consistency and sincerity, living with no deception or pretense or lies. Someone has observed a person with integrity is not divided. They're not two different types of people. That would be duplicity. A person with integrity is not merely pretending. That would be hypocrisy. He or she is whole. Their life is, we would say, put together. Things are working together in harmony. We find that people with integrity, they have nothing to hide, nothing to fear. Their lives are like an open book. So what does that mean for the Christian? Integrity means that our beliefs and our behavior is the same. It matches. They're in sync with one another. We're not merely pretending, but we do what we believe. It means loving God with the totality of who we are and allowing our faith to extend to. Every aspect of our life, to our family life, our relationships in the community, our career life, everything is consistent. All right, so with all this in mind, what can this story from Daniel's golden years teach us? First, The events of chapter 6, it helps us to understand that Christian integrity shows. People can see it. Others can see our integrity. Think of Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2 when he said that as children of God, we must become blameless and pure without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Daniel was a bright star in that sense. In fact, his character was so pure that his enemies had to create a brand new law against praying to God to catch him doing something wrong in order to accuse him of anything. In other words, you know what they did? They had to make integrity illegal so they could catch him in something. Number two. Living a life of integrity does not shelter you from the unfairness of life. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm sorry about this one. But it's the... Cold reality of this world, isn't it? Remember, Daniel wasn't thrown in the lion's den because he had done something wrong, but it was because he had done something right. So if you're honest, if you stand for the truth, that does not remove the unfairness of this world. Daniel was punished for the crime of praying in the privacy of his home. Being thrown in this lion's den would have been a horrible fate if it weren't for God's intervention. First, this was not just one lion. It was several. They were lions with incredible strength. Lions that were kept hungry and ferocious so that they could be counted on to attack whoever was thrown in the lion's den. This is an 80-something-year-old man, a man of great integrity, whose only fault was the consistent way that he followed God. And here, he was about to be eaten alive. That is not exactly unfair. Excuse me, let me say it again. That is exactly unfair. He didn't belong in that situation. But those crooked people put him there. Sometimes, Christians, we're under the false impression that if you live a godly life, then you're going to be exempt from pain. That's not true. You're going to be exempt from the hardships of life. That's not true. The truth is, we live in a fallen and warped world. In fact, people are rewarded for doing wrong, and they're punished for doing right. Have you ever suffered for your efforts? to live a godly life? Have you ever lost a promotion because of it? Have you ever lost a job for doing the right thing? Have you ever had a relationship in for doing the right thing or standing for right? Today, if you are facing unfairness because you're striving to live a life of integrity, I would suggest to you follow the advice of King David. Psalms chapter 37, he said this. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. And number three, people of Christian integrity are people who know the importance of prayer. Praying three times a day was apparently Daniel's habit throughout his long life. Perhaps he was following the example of David. David wrote this in Psalms 55. He said, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and God hears my voice. So, how is your prayer life? What does it take to get you down on your knees? You know, when we face the unfairness of life, when crisis looms, you know, when we get one of those phone calls in the middle of the night, in those times when it feels like we've been thrown in the lion's den, you and I, we tend to react in one of three ways. Sometimes we panic, or sometimes we become paralyzed. Sometimes we pray. And out of those three things, I would tell you only one is acceptable. Because when we panic, we do the wrong thing. When we're paralyzed, well, we don't do anything at all. But when we pray, we're doing the right thing. And you and I, we should follow Daniel's example. We should pray regularly until it becomes a natural response to the stresses of life, whatever they may be. Do you remember Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4? He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Before I close this morning, I want to point out one other thing that this chapter of Daniel's life Teaches us. His example proves that by living a life of integrity, we can have an amazing impact on the world. We can have an impact by having an honest life, a life full of integrity. Those around us will see it and will be affected. Those closest to us in our family, our friends. At church, people we work with, people in the neighborhood, people we do business with, they'll take notice, and it will have an impact on others. Daniel's reputation as a man of integrity not only gave him the opportunity to impact two great empires, the Babylonian and the Persians, but he also changed the course of the history of the people of God. Do you remember the king's proclamation after finding Daniel unharmed the next morning? He said, This I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performed signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. That's the decree that the king sent out everywhere. How could God use your integrity? And what kind of impact could you have if you consistently followed God? How could it change your workplace, your family, your neighborhood? Like Daniel, you too could change your world. This morning, the lesson is yours. Let's remember the prayer life of Daniel. Let's remember the importance of a life of integrity. This morning, what are you struggling with? Are you struggling with the way that the world wants you to behave? Or wants you to act? Are you living a life of integrity or do you need to make a stronger stand? Are you a Christian today? Have you been baptized and had your sins washed away? This morning we do want to offer the invitation to you. If we can help you in any way, would you please come as we stand and sing.